0: Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Don't forget, if you ever have an opinion about something you hear on the show, you are encouraged to share it. I have extremely thick skin. It's not just blubber. It's actual thick skin between your opinions and my soul. So don't forget, you can reach out via the telephone, one 509 4545 one 509 4545 You can send emails, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca. Or if social media is more your thing, you can find the network and the show on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible Media Inc. Or you can catch us on Twitter or TikTok at Accessible Media. You know that I like talking about housing. You know that I like talking about issues surrounding climate change. Well, I don't know if likes the word there, but it's an important issue and I talk about it. Last month, journalist Arno Kopecki and I explored the approach to building more sustainable cities and came to the conclusion that climate and housing are not necessarily a binary. You can walk and chew gum and combine those two things to find some solutions to both the housing crisis and the climate crisis. It's not just Arno and I coming to that conclusion together, uh, flapping our gums. There are people who are actually tackling this issue, the Task Force for Housing and Climate, and Arno wants to highlight some of the work they're doing. And Arno, as I mentioned, is a journalist based in British Columbia. Hey, good morning, Arno. Good morning, Dave. How's it going out there? Arno I'm great I'm so happy to be continuing this conversation and by the way if you out there in listener land or the viewer of vortex missed part one feel free to check it out in the podcast you got to scroll down a little bit but you'll find that it was a great chat with myself and Arno so Arno let's talk about this task force the task force on housing and climate change what kind of work are they doing.
1: Well, so there. This is a task force. It's a. It's sort of a nonpartisan group, conducted of uh, comprised of pretty high-profile people. So uh, Lisa Rate, who's the former cabinet minister in the Harper government, is one of the co-chairs, and the other one is Don Iveson, who's the former mayor of Edmonton, who's a really progressive guy and and certainly not a conservative. And then they also have a team of housing experts and people from like insurance agencies and and banking world and and housing policy. Uh, you know the former. Uh, city manager of Toronto was on it. So really, really high, powerful group of people. And they're looking at exactly what we were talking about. They came together. uh, It was right around in the fall when I was starting to think about this stuff. I learned that this task force had come together and was also their whole mission is to, um, their mission statement is basically, look, Canada needs about 5.8 million homes Uh, by 2030, uh, which happens to be the year of the Paris Agreement targets also by coincidence. They say we need almost 6 million homes by 2030 to ease the housing crisis. Uh, But those homes also have a huge role to play in the climate crisis, uh, just as we've been talking about here. And so they're looking at, okay, well, how can we do that? Because the fast that would require building about 700,000 homes a year, which is like twice as fast as the fastest Canada has ever built homes before, which was way back in the 1970s. so they're like, obviously, we have to do things completely differently in terms of, uh, you know, how do we roll out construction? How do we finance? How do we pay for this? How's this going to work? Uh, so we talked a lot about density last, uh, when we last spoke. And so that's a big, that's a big part of their game. Um, they're, so they're talking about we need to densify these houses, but we also need to figure out, well, first of all, is Canada on board with this? So they've done some really interesting polling and find that Canadians, yes, are indeed, you know, in agreement with the ideals here of like let's build these houses and make them green because they can either be part of the solution or part of the problem if you build six million homes and they're all clap traps that you know fall apart and burn down and because you built them halfway into the forest or in a floodplain where they wash away um then you're just going to need to build six million more uh you know 20 years down the line so they're trying to avoid these these little things and come up with some hardcore uh, actionable suggestions uh, by early winter, basically. Mm. They're really on a tight timeframe. So that's kind of the rough idea of, of of the task force is coming up with like, how can we actually put this principle into action? Arno, whether it's national or provincial, where do building codes fit into this equation? Yeah, well, exactly. Building codes are huge. Uh, so often building codes are provincial. Uh, the province, since we spoke last month, uh, the province I live in, British Columbia, has passed sweeping building codes. Um, well, zoning zoning uh, stuff to to force densification. But building codes are what you need to, to not let people build cheap, dirty, green, uh, non-green homes. So there is a role that the federal government could play in terms of passing uh, federal legislation that sort of forces the minimum quality of home up because the market will, you know, always default to, uh, you know, what's the cheapest way that I can build a home. And it seems that the cheapest way you can build a home is to use, you know, uh, cheap materials, not much insulation. Don't worry about how, you know, energy efficient it is, no solar panels or anything like that. Um, Don Iverson, what he talked to me about was, look, these homes have to be affordable. Uh, The bottom line is, you know, there's housing crisis is about affordability. So we can't just try to build like a whole bunch of super expensive, nice, fancy homes. Nobody can afford them. Um, So affordability is a huge thing that his point was partly that the federal government needs to get in and just like spend money. We saw some of that in the budget yesterday, by the way. but the other thing is then, to, in order, because it seems you know, I think we're going to get to this, but there's often this that sort of like the unsquarable circle that green homes are more expensive, so. You can have one or the other, but you can't have both. But Don Iverson's point was, you know, green homes are actually cheaper if you look at them in the long run. If you look at the lifetime of a home and you build an energy efficient home, maybe it has solar panels, maybe it has a heat pump, uh, you know, all the different things, just really good insulation, your monthly costs are going to be a lot less. And... Banks are in the business of financing things over, you know, your average mortgage is, is about 25, 30 years. So over that lifetime, if you or uh, structure you know your mortgage or your financing accordingly, whether it's for a private homeowner or for the developer or whoever, um, there are there should be ways to to make a home cheaper to buy upfront if it is greener and better. And yeah. even though it is more expensive to build up front over the lifetime of the home, it's going to be cheaper to operate. And so the financing should reflect that. And that was a big part of what Don Iverson was talking about. And so he's out there talking to, you know, central bankers and and uh, the people in the finance world. Yeah, there, there he is. He's, you know, Don Iverson's a really interesting guy. He's a really progressive record on housing. And he's on, you know, um, he, you know uh, the fight against homelessness is a big part of, of what he does well so you know that was a big part of our conversation he was saying you know we there's a lot of unhoused people in this country and we can't you know they have to be at the at the at the heart of uh, anything that happens. Yeah,
0: well, it's one of these things where you need to be thinking about the housing crisis is not simply people who are experiencing homelessness or people who are working class trying to find a rental or even people who might be middle class who would just like to be able to buy a family home or something resembling a family home with you know a yeah. few more feet than uh, say 500 square feet in a condo for a family oh, of four. Uh, but Arno, oh, I do it. like what you talk about there about the margins, right? That something might be marginally more expensive in the moment, but if the home is built to last for 100 years, rather than 25 years or 50 years, or needs an immediate reno because it was built so poorly, that yeah. like that's a cost that has to be factored into the
1: equation. It's crazy that it's not— factored in right now. And to me, it's really uh, reminiscent of like pretty much every environmental solution that we talk about, you know, across the board of industry. And uh, it always requires a little bit more upfront investment that then pays off down the line. And every time that seems to screw us, you know, I mean, uh, electric cars are similar that way, you know, if you can afford an electric car, it's basically free to run after that, you know, you're not paying $2 a liter of gasoline. Um, That's just one example. There's so many like that there, it's this upfront cost and it it really inhibits uh progressive behavior and and this is a perfect example and so that's one of the huge things that the task force is looking at is how can the banking community uh r- recognize that and and work that in and how can the government create you know some subsidy programs or uh some pilot programs where the government would sort of act as a bank and and finance some of this stuff themselves not to do the whole six million houses that way but just to show the financial community that hey look this can work you can actually yeah. like structure your loans this way and make still make money and it's safe it's a good bet. <laughs> banks in Canada making money that never
0: happens. These guys are uh, crying <laughs> know, right? poor every quarter with their <laughs> well, billion we have dollars We've got to make sure, the banks are happy. <laughs> make sure the banks are happy. Uh, Arno, uh, for the sake of time here, we've only got a couple minutes left. But I sure. but but ironically enough, the next question I wanted to ask you about was speed. Right, getting yeah, getting yeah. houses built quickly. If it's five yeah. or six million in the next seven years, that's yeah, a speed, that actually, that's a speedy, speedy, that pace. Yeah, so, so, a speedy pace. Yeah. So, 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 what is the correlation or connection between more sustainable homes, greener homes, and the actual pace of building? Or is that a binary? Is that a contradiction?
1: Well, it's a challenge. I, I don't think it's a binary. Uh, I I don't think the two are necessarily. Look, uh, the people, I spoke to a couple builders as well as Don Iveson about this. And their thing was, you know, right now in, in Canada and, and much of the world, every house that gets built or every townhouse complex or every apartment building is unique. We build it from scratch. Somebody sits down with a, you know, with an architect and a, and a structural engineer and all the different people and they figure out all the specs and da, da, da. And, and then they build it. And then they go back to the drawing board for the next project. Um, And that needs to change. We're going to have to start looking at modular housing if we want to meet this pace. Um, And so, you know, don't think of necessarily the cookie cutter, uh, stretch into suburbia, those those identical houses, but do think of like row houses or brownstones in New York or, you know, some of those beautiful, we talked a little bit about some of the beautiful neighborhoods in Europe or Mexico City, uh, you know, in Paris and Amsterdam where you've got these lovely townhouses. They're all pretty identical, um, but it's modular housing. It's a thing where you come up with your plan uh, you know, and then you maybe build some of it prefab in a factory, you know, a lot of it. And then you can roll these things out at speed. So people kind of, you know, we all grew up, myself included, with the dream of, you know, you open that magazine and like, ooh, look at that beautiful house. Like this could be mine and nobody else's. Uh, I think we have to let go of that a little bit if we want to actually be able to have a home um, and we want our kids to have a home and we want to live in communities where people are, are housed and, and there's a vibrant communal space you can still have a beautiful house that happens to be pretty much identical to the neighbors. Um, you know, you can make it, that gets into philosophical discussions of how you make it your own. But um, I, that, that was the key point, Dave, that that everybody that I've spoken to really emphasized was like modular housing. Um, not, none of these, you know, not at you're not going to build 5.8 million bespoke houses in the next You know, six years, yeah, seven years. Um, so that's a huge one. Uh, That's probably the single biggest thing that would ramp up the the speed of this. And then, you know, all the little things you can eliminate red tape. Uh, don't make it hard. You know, because sometimes you add on the requirements and then you're adding on red tape. So yes, eliminate that. Um, uh, and zoning rules. And that's why the province that I lived in, BC, they just like okay, every town in British Columbia, you're no longer allowed to prohibit duplexes and fourplexes because it's a family home neighborhood. That's, that's off the table now. So that actually speeds up the process because if you're a developer or a, or a homeowner and you want to build a fourplex somewhere, now you don't have to go through town council and ask for permission and see if you can get a zoning except no, none of that. You can just do it. Right on. Um, so sweeping aside those kinds of lengthy, boring red tapes, um, that's another big thing.
0: Arno, I've got to sweep you aside. I almost feel like there's room for a part <laughs> okay. three here, but hey, Arno, thank you always as always for getting up and be a part of the conversation. Talk to you Hang next on, month.
1: Man. See you next month. Thanks a lot.
0: That's Arno Kopecki, journalist based in British Columbia. To learn more about the Task Force for Housing and Climate, visit housingandclimate.ca. That's housingandclimate.ca. Coming up next. What hobbies and activities do you have lined up for the winter months? Jenny Bovard, Megan Gilmore and I will strap on the snow pants and offer up some suggestions. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.